Hey, this is Patrick Lange. This is the Craig Bennett Show. Any questions? Welcome to the Greg Bennett Show, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And wow, I've just had an outstanding conversation with one of the greatest ever to do the sport of triathlon, Mr. Patrick Langer. And we, we have a really fun conversation in this. And uh, one of the big takeaways I really think from this is just how Patrick is able to turn up to major championship races almost under the radar even if he's won them before um he's almost like the i I think i say at the end there he's like the silent assassin that he just um can come up to a a kona world championship and um nobody's talking about him and then he'll just just drop these incredible performances he knows how to prepare for the big day and he's very open he's very authentic in this conversation he shares some incredible stories The other big takeaway is just how he really finds a why. Why is he wanting to go do this particular championship and and, and what does it mean to him? And I think that really finds something that he's able to go even deeper on that special day than most because he's really identified what his why is. But I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. I just truly enjoyed this conversation. A little bit of housekeeping before we go on. I do appreciate you all for listening. Love your feedback. Please keep it coming. Please share the show if you can. Uh, help us grow here. Uh, it's, it's really been a fantastic journey so far. Coming up on almost three years of the show and just so many wonderful conversations. And I couldn't have done it without you all. And I also just a reminder to go check out Any Question, the app that I'm building alongside my business partner, Ed Baker, uh, where we have many of the world's greatest, best performers over about a dozen different channels right now. And, and go check it out. We have swimming, cycling, running, track and field, surfing, hockey we're building out. NHL hockey players are all coming on, which is a lot of fun. And then we also have a lot in the healthcare space, so nutrition and musculoskeletal and uh, healthcare. So check it out it's free for the first hour it really is a fantastic place to listen to um, remarkable people share their stories and share their answers and you can also go on there and ask any question you want as well and you can go to anyquestion.com forward slash greg bennett or you can just download any question one word on your ios or android and like i said it's it's free for the first hour so you can just go check it out and and if you don't want to be a part of it just cancel it and it's not a problem don't have to pay anything anyway anyway I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right. Today, I am joined by one of the greatest Ironman triathletes the world has ever seen. A two-time Kona Ironman world champion and the first man ever to break the elusive eight hours on the Big Island with a time of seven hours, 52 minutes and 39 seconds. His weapon is the marathon, consistently going under two hours 40 off the bike and holds the fastest marathon time in Kona of two hours, 39 minutes and 45 seconds. Add to that his wins at Challenge Roth, Ironman Texas, Ironman Tulsa, and the list goes on, and you can see why I rate him as one of the greatest ever to do the sport. I've been wanting this man on the show for several years, not only because of his athletic achievements and his prowess, but because 
He's one of the best men I've actually had the pleasure of meeting and I wanted this opportunity to share this, share his story and, he, and his journey. So it's an absolute privilege and honour to sit and chat. So welcome and thanks for joining me on the Greg Bennett Show, Patrick Langer. How are you, mate? Hi, good to, good to hear you and great to be on the show. Yeah. You're, you're calling, <laughs> you're in Texas for the moment. Is this your usual, you know, Kona prep? You go to, you go to Texas sort of a, a, a month or six weeks out kind of thing? Yeah, Texas always uh, uh, have been a good training camp for me. So I've been here uh, for the Ironman. Um, I did my first Ironman here and stayed with uh, the same guest family ever since. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, the, the Gibbons, um, they're just a great uh, a family for me to stay with. And uh, so I think that's, um, yeah, kind of my personality. That's like having, having a good surrounding of good people around you. And uh, it always helps me up massively. So it's my... Uh, uh, sixth time now uh, in, in Texas. So yeah, it's great. Well, the scoreboard has worked pretty well for you. I mean, what, what, what is it normally you do? How long do you go there for before you head over to Kona? Ah, uh, three weeks. Okay. So three you, weeks. Yeah. And then 10 days before the race, uh, I, uh, I jump on the plane and get over to the big Island. Uh, it's also good that, uh, you cut away like half mm. of the jet lag uh, mm. before going into uh, going over to Kona, and um, yeah, the heat and humidity here is uh, is just killer. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> time of year, <laughs> brutal. I know. Yeah, we're in South Florida, and um, it's the same kind of weather as what you've got there in Texas, and it's yeah, you, you go outside and you know you got to come back inside and change your shirt. <laughs> Five minutes, you know, after being outside for five minutes. But so. that's exactly what you need for yeah, a corner, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. So you go to the big island and it's like, okay, um, I've done three weeks of training in that conditions and it worked well. So it prepares you, I think, uh, in the best way possible. Do you go to Texas and, you know, with, with training partners or a team around you <laughs> or are you just on your own? Yeah, or? I have to jig a little bit because, yes, um, uh, I had um, I, I have a, quite a quite a big group here mm-hmm. uh, this time. Most of them are female. I had one training partner, one male training partner with, with Paul Schuster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, unluckily he got, uh, he got hit by a car in a, in a hit and run accident. Oh. Uh, mm. yeah, shoot, uh, broke his hand, got surgery yesterday back in Germany. So, um, yeah, not so good to see that. But, um, other than that, yeah, um, um, I'm here with with Cat Matthews, Ruth Assel, India Lee, so uh, strong uh, British girls. Uh, they're racing PDO Dallas just right now. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's right. They're out there today, aren't they? We're recording yeah. this on a Saturday lunchtime uh, for you yeah. in Texas and uh, one at one p.m. for me here in Florida. Um, so yeah, we don't know the results yet, do we? <laughs> They're out there no, right no, now. It's no. <laughs> exciting. And when do the men go up? They go off tomorrow, right? I, I was wondering if you were going to do that race, but but you decided not to do the PTO race no. in, in Dallas because I mean, I guess it's close by. It's on, it's tomorrow, right, for the men? It is tomorrow, and it's uh, it's really close. Like it's a I don't know three four hour drive uh, up north. But yeah, I decided not to race because um, 
uh, for me, this time of the year is full focus of course. on uh, on Kona. And uh, with with the year I had so far, we decided not to do any anything that we are not kind like hundred percent sure of that it works because, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I I had this shoulder injury and in July I had COVID again, and so no, um, I th I think it's it's best. Wow, I didn't realize you'd had COVID again. So you had COVID right after yeah. after Palmer. Challenge Roth because you got you got second at Challenge Roth yeah. this year just behind. Uh, Uh, Magnus Ditlev, you know, and it was an outstanding race, especially uh, as you'd won it the year before. And I want to talk that, about that a little bit, but this year you've had COVID, how, you said COVID again. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> What's been going on? I mean, I've personally, I've had COVID uh, two or three times myself, but um, mate, for you, I'm sorry. I shared this experience with uh, so many other athletes and, and uh, mm. people. So yeah, no, it's just, I've been around for so long now and I, caught it in the first wave, uh, in the, in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, right at the beginning. And then I got, uh, two, two times vaccinated and yeah, after I don't want to link it with challenge Roth because you know, you can never be a hundred percent sure where you kind of caught it. Um, but just in the, in the second week of July, I got, I got sick and it took me quite some time to to bounce back from it yeah the collins cup uh was not a really good experience for me uh yeah because obviously i hadn't i had done like i think one and a half or two weeks of training oh that's the worst the that's and, the worst and, and oh, you have to I race you. and you're like guys i'm i don't like making up i'm not making up excuses i really i promise you i've only done a week and but oh. i'll do the best i can oh mate i feel for you <laughs> uh, and in a field like that you know there's no yeah. room for no 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 uh, weaknesses like at all no. and uh yeah so Yeah, it was not the best of uh, experiences, but um, now, yeah, things turning around. But and, you're healthy uh, now. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm, and it's like also going into the Collins Cup, um, I, I thought it was really, really uh, important to, to have everything checked. Um, and also my team, they wouldn't let me train until I had like this MRI of my, uh, heart done, uh, with, with that's music to my ears, mate. Music to yeah, my ears. Good. On, I, it is so important to, so to important. not take any risk there and, and to, to have your blood level checked. And, um, yeah, there's so many stories, isn't there of, of people that force it and come back too quickly mm -hmm. and, and a virus, and then it ends up taking them out of their career. And, and then it ends up, you know, you hear them having pacemakers later on. And I'm, I know I'm expanding upon and, and I'm not going to mention names, but I know several athletes that have had s severe viruses mm -hmm. that then tried to push through it and it really was career ending. Yes. Your team is great. And I, I like to hear that they say, let's get you hundred percent healthy. And you know, what's interesting is we've seen so many times the people that turn up to Kona where they've been sick or injured and they've really managed to just get healthy that sort of five, six weeks before and pull something together. I remember mm. having uh, Tim O'Donnell on the show and I remember, was it 29? when he got, um, was he second or third? Sorry. He did go just under the eight-hour mark. Second he was when Jan Fredino went under eight hours at yeah, Kona. And he, he hadn't done anything for weeks. He had a broken mm -hmm. foot and then he ended up just training the last few weeks and he, he just mm -hmm. felt fresh and good and, and ready and to go and, and no pressure. <laughs> I also remember 2011 when Greg Alexander won 
I think it was his third title. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, he had this this uh, cuff. What what Crow is um, always Craig Alexander's always had this boulder cough, and is this like this constant dry chest infection? Um, he tells me that he picked it up at a when we were, when we were singing karaoke at a. Um, <laughs> the Ishigaki World Cup back in about 2007. Mm-hmm. But the poor guy's always had like a raspy, dry kind of, and he does pick up infections quite often because of it. And plus he's got young kids and anybody with young kids, as you know, yeah. pick up everything. And, and just reminding uh, um, uh, uh, of that because he was, I think it took him out for three months or so at the beginning of the year I and then he won with a new course record. Yeah. And <laughs> for me... It, it was the same. I had um, a severe foot injury uh, in 2017. I mm-hmm. couldn't run for also like two and a half, three months. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a edema uh, in my in mm-hmm. my bone wow. uh, in the foot. Yeah, and at the end, I was uh, I was winning um, my first Ironman in Kona. So yeah, uh, it's not over yet. <laughs> no, it's no. no. <laughs> and, if anything, it's like oh, good. I've had a good sickness and a good injury this year. My chances are actually going up. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Uh, you know, uh, Marinda Carfrey is a good friend of ours as well, and. Um, you know, she was going on her winning streak at Kona for a number of years there, but there was quite often she was just awful through sort of April, May, June, and Laura and I are winning races and, and her husband, Tim O'Donnell's winning 70.3s and things, and we're all, and Rennie wasn't. And I remember we finally just got to the point because she would always turn up in October and crush it. Mm. And so we just mm. used to go, here we go again, you know, and, and then the years Rennie did have good sort of April, May, Junes, we were like, it wasn't her best Konas. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of, there is something to that back ending the year that you, whatever it takes to just slow you down so you don't push too hard early so, and you're fresh mentally. It's not just physical. I think mentally you, you want to hurt exactly yourself. That's the point. Yeah. I think that's exactly the point. If you're mentally able to turn it around, uh, that's, that's, that's the big task. And yeah. Coming back to Texas, it always does something also with my mentality and my uh, mental preparations. Yeah. So I always feel like growing up here a little bit. And um, mm. it can also uh, steal a lot of your confidence and you get into the race now not knowing. But as soon as you step onto the island, uh, you should be there mentally yeah. And, yeah. And, and able to, to race. Yeah. It sounds like you've, you've, you know, you've got this wonderful family that puts you in a relaxed state of mind where it's like, I'm here to work and do my business, but I'm also surrounded by just good people that, yeah, there's something very special about having that kind of great team around you that give you every opportunity to go do what you need to get done um, and, and mm. reduce all the other stresses in, in your life potentially, um, which, is, which is a major hurdle for all of us. And, and to be able to just stay singularly focused is, is really mm. awesome. But let, let's talk about, you know, this year you, you had to, a shoulder injury, you said, what was that? Um, or you've still got that? Or is that just a, you know, rotator cuff or what, what do you got going on there? No, no, it was actually really, really bad injury. So I crashed my bike um, oh. in Grand Canaria when it was, out riding with uh, a pro cycling friend of mine mm-hmm. and I, I hit his uh, wheel uh, when he stood up for, mm. and I, yeah, and like a hundred times you, you, you just have a little wiggle and you continue. But this time it was bad I think at 40 kilometers per hour. And I just had a 
like a little like a high sider and so i flew in the air and crashed i only crashed on my shoulder i didn't have any bruises no no road rash nothing it was just a yeah but it took the full impact then in one place that's almost worse exactly. right yeah yeah and i from my background as a physical therapist i knew straight away okay it's something like really bad and uh because the the shoulder the, the clavicular um was uh, about five centimeters higher than the other clavicular whoa it was um uh, <laughs> nice german word for it schulter ecklenksprengung it's a tossy three the so the ligaments that holds the clavicular down down on the shoulder joint like the the, the edge of the shoulder these ligaments they ripped so um wow yeah. it just completely popped up exactly so yeah oh. i needed to have surgery on that what month was that when we when did that happen <laughs> it was on the birthday of my wife on the 23rd of february oh <laughs> julia would have oh, loved yeah. that here you go here's oh, your birthday sorry. present come visit me in hospital <laughs> <laughs> no yeah yeah it was not not a good day yeah it started out so so nice and then yeah took a took a dramatic turn were you able to still keep sort of biking and then slowly bring back the running was it really mm, how was that yeah on the indoor trainer I was back yeah. quite early like one and a half uh two weeks yeah. after the crash um and then running was kind of difficult because of the bouncing impact that hurt so i had to wait until the stitches uh had had been removed mm -hmm. yeah um, as soon as the stitches were removed i i also started uh swimming uh with warm up one arm and the other arm like uh, <laughs> just up to 90 degrees at maximum and um i'm actually still super impressed by the recovery because yeah. um when i was working uh in in this uh field yeah. <laughs> uh, i had patients like that and a broken collarbone is like yeah okay you put a plate in it and you you're able to go actually straight away not straight straight away but you are back pretty fast and this injury because it's a ligament injury it just takes so oh, long so I six have months seen usually patients. yeah 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 i've seen patients that had problems with it for at least a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. kind of afraid that this happens uh, to me as well. And, you know, that's why the great team plays, plays such a big role because my uh, physio and my doctor, they were both working hand in hand. So they also, how can I say that navigate mm -hmm. what they say to me? Like uh, I, I had the clear vision that I want to go to Challenge Road on the 3rd of July. And the physio told my doctor it's possible, but the doctor, he told me after the race was like, okay, he's seen so many injuries like that. And he totally was not on this page. He said, that's not possible. It's way too early. Wow. But he said to me, <laughs> you can do it <laughs> <It's> easy. <laughs> so yeah i was working with the physio quite hard with with hansi and yeah it was just an incredible healing um a process with with his help and that's amazing um, mate that is truly yeah. amazing because i mean even to turn up to come to challenge rot and do the performance you did and i you know you swam a 50 minute 24 swim 
you know, which yeah. was right up to the front. And, and the that's actually... The slowest I ever swam. Well, <laughs> well the, whole field, the, whole field looked, yeah, yeah. the whole field looked a little slower in fairness. It wasn't... It was almost... It was cold. That was is that was what it was? The yeah, the whole yeah, field looked like they were a couple of minutes off what normally is done at Challenge Rod to swim. Mm-hmm. Actually, just talking about the swim for a moment, that's been almost... I know everyone talks about your run and, um, and your bike has really got generating more and more power over that, the longer distance, but... I've been watching you for a long time now and that swim of yours has really been the one that's just jumped out. And, you know, 2019, and we can talk about that at Kona later, you know, the DNF there that you had, but still, I still look at that swim that you did when you came out of the pack mm-hmm. and, um, and I was commentating actually for NBC and I was in Stanford, Connecticut in the booth and uh, I guess they had me in there as some analyst and they're like, what's been the most impressive thing so far on the race? I'm like... Patrick Langer's swim on the back of this lead pack with, you know, Jan Fredino and Tim O'Donnell, who I've swum with both of those guys a lot and I know how fast that swimming would have been. And Mm. I'm like, mate, that's something that, do you give yourself a little bit of kudos for, because I would have said you were a bit more of a duathlete when you started the sport, but that swim is just unbelievable. Yeah, I think that's, I put a lot of effort in it because Mm. obviously I also see the, the way long course racing is developing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you you have to be there, mm. even with twelve meter drafting. You have to be at the front, um, and so I put a lot of effort in. I I um, consulted a swimming coach uh, that's and he's on deck uh, watching ninety five percent of the swim sets that I that I did or do. Yeah, I, I put a lot of effort in and, um, yeah, actually quite happy to... Mm, you can tell, mate. Able, yeah. You so, can tell. Yeah. No, c- c- kudos for that. In the race uh, itself, like, I <laughs> I woke up in the morning, had a little fever, had a little shiver, and um, I oftentimes get asked, like, why was the swim so good? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I took the, the paracetamol, so the fever-reducing uh, medicine, Mm. Uh, obviously not on the doping list, of course, but, uh, I think, um, yeah, it just allowed me to like a Tylenol uh, or something over here. I think yeah. A Tylenol, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. And, uh, it just, it got, it got you through the first hour or two. It and then it's like, okay. Through the first hour and yeah. then it completely. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember yeah, you had that like, fever running that whole day before and everything. Yeah. And you must've been even questioning whether you even yeah. start. But, but during yeah. the swim, I actually was separated from group. I'm kind of uh, proud. Maybe it's the wrong word for it, but I was able to close the gap and I knew like Josh Emberger in front was pushing the pace. And really he's insanely hard. fast. He's so <laughs> fast. Josh Emberger. And I was able to bridge the gap yeah. to these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, when I was, and uh, I think it was on the feet from TO. Yeah. And I was like, wow, how did that happen? Yeah. And it was like, so it was just, it was a like a positive uh, spiral coming up yeah. until I got blackouts on a bike. But yeah. Yeah, mate. Swim. Yeah. Well, mate, I just wanted to talk about that swim a little bit early here in the show because it is something that I just wanted to give you a bit of a pat on the back because it's not easy to do. People, you know, you can work at something, but swimming is, is so much about flexibility and, and, and mm. almost changing the way your body. It's not just 
raw power. You know, the bike is kind of get, get more aerodynamic. You know, yes, you need some flexibility to get an aerodynamic position, but it tends to be, you know, it's raw power the faster you go. And so you can work hard on that. But swimming is so much more about balance in the water and hip position and shoulder placement and elbows. And there's just a lot to take on to become a great swimmer. So you've done really well there, mate. But we've talked about Challenge Rot this year and the ability for you to, you know, come back from that, that shoulder injury and, and, and have a really, really fantastic race amongst a, a, a stellar field. But the year before, you hadn't done Challenge Rot before, I don't think. You hadn't raced an Ironman on home soil in Germany, had you? Oh, I raced Ironman Frankfurt a couple of times. Ah, that's right. You but had two. First, first time in, uh, at Challenge Roth. First time at Roth. So you turned yeah. up, mate, and that win there, was that like a, a bucket list win for you? Oh, absolutely. Massively, <laughs> massively. You know, um, it was just, I think, three weeks after Kona got cancelled again. Mm-hmm. So I called Felix Walsurfer and um, I said to him, hey, is there any chance uh, I, I'm, I'm able to start at, uh, at your race? And I, I didn't even like ask for entrance fee or anything. I just saw it as a great possibility to see, uh, to do one of my bucket list races. Mm. So I just, yeah, signed up. I don't know, uh, three weeks, two weeks before the race. And then, yeah, got there. And um, even with the COVID restrictions, got an amazing experience uh, that turned out to be just half as good at, <laughs> as the real road experience. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, was, was an amazing race. And I have to admit that I fell in love with the race. Mm. It's, it's such a great event. It really, it's one of those ones. I'm so, my wife, Laura, got to do it. You know, we had all these bucket list races that we wanted to do. And, you know, we were more, definitely more focused on the short course, but there were certain races that are just so iconic that you want to be a part of. And, and she still raves about it just as one of the, just the greatest event. And it's one of mine where I'm like, oh, I think I would have loved that. But you turn up. Uh, with a couple of weeks notice uh, and you drop one of the greatest performances. I know that something was off with the bike that year. It was maybe 10, 15 minutes quick for some reason. Um, was that a bit short, yeah. the bike that year? And not, not to yes, cheapen your yes. event, but I, I... It was, they they had to took uh, out the solar hill because oh. of uh, COVID restrictions oh. and uh, constructions. So it was uh, a tad short, yes. And st- looking back, it was like... Uh, I had such a great day that I, that I wished to, to have this, I think it was 10 kilometers missing. So, uh, it would have just been great to see, uh, the time in the end. If, Your if, performance uh, was I, off the chart when you, when you consider, you know, you swam at 47, 28, you biked a 350, but it's more who you biked with as well. You know, Nils Fromhold, one of the iconic Uber bikers, you know, and then you'd still, you drop a 2.38.30 marathon, which no one else came close to, you know. <laughs> uh, mm. uh, well, actually, that's not fair. There was uh, Felix Henschel who did do a, a really yeah, great... Yeah, he ran a 2.36. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but still, uh, 7.19. That's why I had to show up again uh, this year. And, <laughs> and, and, 
Yeah, it's just my competitive drive said, okay, I can do a little bit better if somebody's going to try and outrun uh, me. I need the run course record. But you still, you went a, a 7-19-19 and, and took that win, which was just absolutely mind-boggling. You know, Annie Hug took the win that, that one as well. And that was all, you know, coming out of COVID, everybody's like, can we just can we just get going here? Can we have a major, a major race? And it was kind of one of the one major events that we got to have, you know, where everybody turned up saying, Hey, I want to be a part of that as well. So the field again was absolutely stellar, but mate, congrats on that. I think in 2021, um, there were actually two events that you needed to be at. And that was obviously the North American championship in Tulsa, uh, was a, was a stellar field. Yes. Rose, so and you uh, won them both <laughs> and you yeah, won them it both good, it was a good year <laughs> it was a, it was a good year but it's also it's nice to have that when you're coming out of 2020 like you said you'd had covid you know during 2020 you couldn't tell if the world was going to end the way that, we, that everyone was yes. going on about it and then it was kind of like 2021 was almost like this breakout year and it was mm. what i loved about 2021 was because we had limited events we really did get stellar fields at the events that we did get, right? I mean, it was really epic. Um, And yeah, your win at Ironman Tulsa, I didn't mean to just breeze over that because that was another outstanding one where I feel like you just own this sub 240 marathon. You know, you went like the 236, Mm -hmm. unbelievable, a 47-minute swim. You've you've become an – you really are an all-round triathlete with weapons across the board now. You know, when I look at your swim, your bike, and your run, and yeah, there's a couple of bikers like Magnus Ditlev mm-hmm. um, and um, Sam Long every so often, Lionel Sanders that are really just squeezing a few minutes. But you're you're right in there. I just I'm very impressed. And yeah, Tulsa was huge for you. And you went another a seven hour forty five. Unbelievable, mate. It's always important to be yeah thinking out of the box and and try to develop yourself and. Uh, at the end of 2019, um, I, I knew that uh, the time with my, my old coach, Faris Alzuta, mm. came to an end. And I have, to, I have to up my game if I want to be able to compete with the best of the best. And so I also uh, yeah, looked for, for a coach that yeah, brings um, the, the scientific background on board and uh, puts me on a more a structured um, uh, uh, training regime and stuff like that because mm. training with Ferris was great at the time because he was this, I always bes- describe him as like a little, like, uh, like this big, how could you say, like a, this, this light pole uh, mm-hmm. figure for me. He was, everything that he said was the law for me. Back in the days when when I started 2016, because he was Faris Azultan, he knows how to you win Kona, win Kona in, yeah, in yeah. sexy. So uh, that was perfect at this time. But after 2019, I needed something new, and I was able to uh, yeah work with with Bjorn Geesman, and uh, it helped massively. And we we yeah we we obviously <laughs> uh, took the right choices and. Um, yeah, I was, I was yeah, going all in again. Yeah, it's not easy leaving a coach and transitioning, and these are big decisions. Oh, yeah. You know, you, any coach athlete is a, a relationship. You, you build a strong bond, and, and there's a lot of trust mm. and everything else. But it's also, you know, you, you have this one career where there's always a time limit on it. You know, it's not a career we can do for 50 years, and it's kind of one of those 
you know, I've always sort of liked the idea of looking into new coaches. You may not always change, but every sort of four to five years and going, look, have I learned everything I can from that person? Almost like a degree, mm-hmm. you know, Faris getting you into the sport and, and maybe just helping establish your passion for the sport and really mm-hmm. giving you a sense of purpose early on, but then going, okay, now I need to just tighten the screws a little bit in terms of sports science and understanding at a more micro level, what my body's doing. Mm. And that's mm. where you, you reach out to someone like a, a Bjorn Giesman. He's a sports mm. scientist. Is his background, is it? Or Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he worked with, uh, with a lot of cyclists. So he comes from a cycling coach background. Mm. And I think that also shows uh, my bike performances now. Yeah, so I also excellent. wanted to have someone who's really specific about the bike portion because I had the swim coach, I had the run coach, uh, on, on both ends. And, um, I just needed someone to, to, yeah. It's a great decision. And it's very evident. How how different is their actual training on a, on a weekly sort of basis? Is it, is the mileage much the same or is it just, yeah, just tell me what's the differences? No, the mileage actually got less, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. um, we threw, in uh, a lot of intensity stuff in different, uh, at different zones, um, we, we, uh, there's actually, uh, really little days where I don't go out and have a specific goal for, uh, the training sessions. Um, uh, sometimes obviously it's just easy rolling, but, uh, in the big pictures, especially now, every, every training day has, has the specific goals and, uh, specific intervals and, when I was working with Ferris, it was more like, okay, you go start your ride, you feel. And for, for, it was much more like train how you feel mm-hmm. kind of style. Mm-hmm. And it was perfect for me at the time. You mm-hmm. know, I don't want to get, um, I don't want to miss any credits uh, or, uh, for, for, for Ferris because obviously he made me two-time mm-hmm. Ironman world champion. So yeah, now... It's much more structured, I think. I think we've also come a a long way with the way we're able to measure and and Mm -hmm. use data, Um, you know, especially these last few years. The information we can collect now and process is so much more advanced than than even six, five, six years ago, right? I mean, it's like, and and especially when you compare it to 10 and 15 years ago, I feel like now we're collecting information, you're able to get data back. Are you somebody that likes data or do you kind of like to switch it off and <laughs> go by feel or is it something that you're drawn to mm, uh, actually i still love being out and just enjoying and go by feel hmm. but these important eight weeks building up to a big event i also love the data side of it mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you can see the development and uh, you can set your little goals working on these uh, little performance gains so and actually see the things falling together and you know f- falling into place and and building up slowly i just like to see that so yeah the mm. closer the race gets i think the the more important data gets and in winter time when there's no race coming up i also just love to go for a mm. mountain hike in austria and i also think that that will have a positive effect on 
my race performances in, I don't know, four months time. Or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's really understanding that balance and timing of it all. I like that. You have a very good self-awareness and I think that's important as well. Hey, hey what I want to do is sh- just shift gear a little bit because um, one of the, my favorite things to ask a guest is, is you know, to, to rewind the clock mm-hmm. and, and just give us a bit of a background to where you came from in the sense of, you know, how did you find the world of triathlon and, and find your passion for the sport of triathlon you know take take me through from your childhood to to i mean i know that's a long way you can give us bullet points but I, i'm really curious yeah so i started like every german uh boy i started out playing uh, soccer at first i was a goalkeeper because uh my cousin my older cousin was also a goalkeeper and then i thought i needed to be a goalkeeper myself but then i um figured out that that's much too less movement for me. So I, uh, <laughs> I was playing the midfield then and I, I was the guy running up and down the field and never got tired. So there was pretty early on, there was this, it was pretty clear that I need to be in, in running or athletics or some kind of things. And, uh, because I wasn't, I wasn't the, the greatest of all soccer players. Um, then I, yeah, got to the, to the athletics and I tried everything. I tried throwing and sprinting mm-hmm. and jumping. And I was really, I was not actually, but, but not at all good. I was, I was really bad at it. <laughs> so <laughs> at, at the last, uh, uh, the last ch- challenge they gave uh, to me was, uh, I had to run a kilometer all out and then I was, I was quick straight away. So they thought, okay. He need to run and uh, then yeah my 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 endurance passion was was awake from that from that moment on mm-hmm. but at the same time I also had, uh, was driving go-kart races like interesting totally different sport. yeah yeah <laughs> my, for me, formula big, one yeah yeah my big idol always used to be Michael Schumacher oh uh, yeah okay absolutely uh, I watched every race got up middle of the night and watching the Australian GP, oh, for yeah. example. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I always wanted to become a Formula One driver, but my family yeah, didn't have enough money to No, me it's on, crazy, on isn't it? Season because it's so expensive. So expensive. So expensive. Um, I love that sport. Yeah. My, my good friend is Mark Weber, oh. who actually I had on the show Oh, probably almost two years ago now, but he, yeah, he, he drove for Red Bull, but he has a similar story. He's a farm boy from Australia and, uh, he loved go-karting and had to find backing. And, uh, it was actually a famous Australian rugby player that, that backed him and got him over to Europe and, um, into, but it's mate, the amount of money that they're spending now, um, these drivers, if you're not a billionaire son, (laughs) you're not playing formula Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a pity. Yeah. Um, but one thing I also found interesting is that uh, a lot of those Formula One drivers, they're actually totally into triathlon. Yes, um, yes. For example, uh, a button or Jensen Button, Rosberg, for sure. Jensen Button, uh, a big, I think he raced until three years ago or so. But also I talked with, uh, I met Nico Rosberg the other day mm-hmm. and he was like, totally into it that's <laughs> and, awesome um, yeah it was, like, it was actually kind of funny because we were on a tv show together after my second victory yes uh, it was funny for me to see that i'm kind of starstruck to see him and then he comes to me like oh a massive fan of yours and that's like, awesome <laughs> that is so cool yeah it, uh, it was funny 
Well, you did win. Uh, I remember after 2018, you won the Sports Star of the Year award for Germans, right? In uh, Germany? Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. I won Sports Person of the Year award, uh, which is, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a big, big thing in, in, in Germany and also a big honor for me because I was the first non-Olympian to win in an Olympia, uh, in an Olympian year. Ah. So there was the, I think 2018 was the Winter Olympics. Yeah. was yep. the year of the Winter Olympics. And uh, yeah, I won. And that has, has never been achieved by a summer athlete to, or, or any uh, athlete to win in a non-Olympic sport in an Olympic year. So yeah, great honor. And still, yeah. Well, congrats, mate. Yeah, that is pretty cool. The year before I was second and... The year after, I got it. <laughs> that is so cool. So tell me, you, you've fallen in love with the endurance side of things. You know, when did you realize you, you had some ability and and specifically in the mm. world sort of, of multi sport? I um, because I had this this passion for speed coming from go karting, and I couldn't afford it anymore. I switched over to mountain bike racing and uh, road cycling racing. So I was a cyclist and um, I trained for it, enjoyed it massively. No training schedule. I just got on my bike and rode for hours with my friends. And it was, it was a great time. No training plan, but still racing. And uh, I, I think I won my first mountain bike race straight away. And um, <laughs> it just, it was it just suited me. And, um, uh, then I signed up for a 120 kilometer marathon on the mountain bike. Um, and I fake signed the signature of my dad to get into the race <laughs> because obviously how old were you? 15, I was 15 You're years 15. Old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I took on this, I don't know. It took me, I don't know, six, six and a half hours to finish that race. Oh, wow. And it was a first like long course experience. And then, yeah, somehow I met a triathlon coach and I started to work out with him for a little bit. And then he told me all that great uh, stories because he competed uh, five times in Kona and he was always talking about this race. So I got into the history of the race a little bit, fell in love straight away and knew, okay, if you start that triathlon thing, Kona is the race you want to you want to be in. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was always a dream to to go to Kona, maybe win Kona if that's if that's possible. But yeah, that just keep me keep me going. And uh, I think I was 16, 17 when I started uh, for the first time. Yeah, and ever since that, yeah. So that was back in uh, 2002, 2003, you kind of found yeah, the sport? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, what, and, and Faris, he won in 2006, was it? Five. 2005, 2005. yeah. Five. Yes. You mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you're a trained physiotherapist. Yes. Did you work in physiotherapy for a while before sort of yes. becoming a professional? I was, yeah. I was, um, I was, um, because I've had this, uh, cycling, his, uh, background, mm. I was never a great swimmer. Mm. Um, and I have never made it onto the national team. So I had to, uh, afford a living in, in another way. So I went to the military for two years. 
worked uh, worked there, and because I thought, ah, it's a good chance, I go to to the military and can do a lot of sports there. But yeah, was uh, was maybe not the best of decisions <laughs> looking back. <laughs> and um, after the military service, I signed up for a physical therapist uh, studies, and after three years seven to five studies <laughs> <laughs> and uh, doing the, the training. I, funny thing is I, I started my studies in 2010 and 2010 was also the year where I won my first German championship in duathlon against Norman Stadler and, and uh, Sebastian Kienler. And uh, wow. yeah, so actually the handling both the training and the, the studies allowed me to to get uh, even f like to up my game in, yeah. in the sport. I don't know why. It's like Craig I Alexander think, uh, says the same thing. Craig Alexander says the reason he thinks he had a lot of success at Kona was because of having that background and study of a you know he's a physiotherapist as well. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. and he often he often credits it. You know, I've had him on the show a couple of times, and he often reflects back to the importance of understanding how to treat the body on the fly and oh, <laughs> keep yeah, the body going. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got this question, um, uh, often. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's a massive uh, help. It's a massive help to know, okay, there's a niggle. I need to do this and that. Um, and you know, I've, I've, I've not been injured for, for a long time now. Mm. Um, except for the crash no, obviously, well, yeah, but, of course, but that, that's, a, um, that's a little different when you get hit by a it's, road. It's very different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. No, it's, it's a good, it's a cool job. Yeah. Was it after winning that national championship that you were kind of like, okay, I'm going to, did you become a professional then or did you keep working for a couple of years still? I was always racing as a professional. I also did um, right. the Bundesliga stuff before uh -huh. the studies uh, even. Yeah. So when I was 18, 19, I started racing Bundesliga European Cups. I once uh, also started the World Cup, but never was really successful in it. Mm -hmm. I always raced as a professional and not be having this professional lifestyle like, at all. Mm. So uh, the first year where I was, a, let's say, the real professional was 2016. Um, I worked until February of 2016 and Ferris was the big uh, driving force behind it to, uh, to completely focus on, on the sport because he, yeah. we trained from, I don't know, he, he coached me, I think from October uh, onwards and I straight away, I felt like, okay, this guy is serious so i i i'm I, I cannot handle both so he guided me uh in this decision and helped me out with all that things you you might not see on the in the first uh, uh place like insurance or uh, whatever it's <laughs> like it's so incredibly different to to start out as a professional it's not just oh raise your hand and say you're professional there's just all that stuff that, that that's behind the scenes is is uh, massively because i had to sign up for private insur health insurance in germany and it's super expensive like it's 450 uh, euros a month 
And to be honest, I simply couldn't afford it. And it, that kept me away from, from um, being like the real professional, mm. even if, if I had some sponsors and a good paycheck uh, here and there for winning races. But uh, I, I also was working as a physical uh, physio because it paid for my insurance. You had bills and, to pay. Yeah, I got bills yeah. to pay. I can't just say, okay, I'm full time and then now I can't eat and I can't pay yeah. my bills and I have no insurance. I know it's not okay. an easy, um, it, it is a very difficult transition um, to go, okay, mm. now I'm completely an entrepreneur, basically. I'm on my own and, and, and let's see how it goes. But, you know, mm. and, and, and I think about you because you were born in 86. So you at 30 you know, that was the first year where you truly went full-time. You were racing professional yes. races before that. But, I mean, that's very late, very, very late when we consider how many mm-hmm. people were going full-time at the age of, you know, I've had that many Australians on the show that basically, you know, left high school and were full-time athletes right away. But that, that was often the Olympic, you know, short course route where there was maybe a bit of, gov- you know, government support or, you know, whatever to get them on the way. But yeah. to actually be full-time at 30 and then have a year that... It, it worked. It was a good decision. <laughs> was, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, you won Ironman Texas, you had some podiums elsewhere, and, and then obviously, you know, Ironman Hawaii, you know, you joined the other Germans for a clean sweep for Germany on the podium with oh, still yeah, today the fastest shocker. ever marathon. <laughs> huh? It's amazing. What a year. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was totally amazing, yeah, and unbelievable uh, running down Ali Drive and, and became uh, a third. I was literally on on endorphins that like <laughs> through my. I could run this pace for another ten k or so. It was I was just blown away by the experience. It was great. It was just great. I remember watching you pass people. And, you know, I think it was like ben, ben, ben Hoffman. Uh, sorry, Ben, I don't mean to harp on you, yeah. but Ben Hoffman, um, you know, and then, you know, have Jan Fidino for the win. Sebastian Kinley, who was only ended up 30 or 40 seconds in front of you, I think, for, for a second. And then you on the, on, yeah. you know, that clean sleep sweep for Germany and that run mm. of yours, which still stands, by the way, is the fastest ever marathon in Kona of two hours, 39, mm. 45. And the blistering speed, you could just see you'd found a zone and you found a rhythm and you must mm. have been running, were you running sub six miles, uh, 345K pace? What, what was that? Whatever you were doing that final 10K made everybody, <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, to have that feeling must have felt so good. I started out the run feeling, I felt quite low on energy mm. and um, it's been, it's been, a hard bike ride. Uh, obviously, I, I got um, this penalty, and after the penalty uh, that I had to serve with, I think we were thirty male pros in the penalty tent. What? So it was, it was, they literally were, they were running out of clocks. Oh, like man. it was it was uh, yeah it was kind of a yeah strange day yeah uh, penalty wise i remember that but yeah yeah i remember starting the run and, and saying oh, i don't feel that good but then i started picking up pace and i started feeling good and um uh you know passing those other athletes that um that are like also like have been big names in the sport yeah. and coming closer to the top 10 and imagine, okay, wow, this is top 10 and it built momentum with every step. And mm. 
I felt like uh, towards the end, I felt like flying. It was just, I remember then uh, the, when, when a, a German media motorcycle came, came up to me and say, Hey, Patrick, you, you are able to finish third here. And I was looking at him and was like, that was the click in my mind. And was just like, boom. Okay. Boom. <laughs> it was another accelerating to the, another level. And, mm -hmm. um, it was just felt like flying. It was, um, probably the best, uh, running experience I ever had in my life because it was just, yeah, I, I couldn't feel any pain. It was just, yeah, on, on a different, Level. It really was something. And then let's, let's fast forward a year, you know, you turn up to Kona. What was your, I guess, expectations on yourself? If you can remember back 2017, after you've podiumed at your, you know, your first, first year and everybody always says, you got to, you got to be third or fourth the year before, if you think you're going to win the next year, always the, the, the champions seem to always have that podium. Mm -hmm. Had people told you that had it been something you'd thought about? Uh, I was aware of that. Mm, because I, I also liked the, the history part of this race. And, uh, but I was going into that race and saying to myself that uh, a top 10 would be great because as I told before, like, uh, the foot injury has been pretty significantly, uh, sig uh, significant. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a really bad race in Frankfurt that year. I was, I don't know, sixth or seventh hmm. in that race. And uh, so going into that race, there was, all, there was no pressure because nobody expected me to win that year. Hmm. Uh, all the pressure was on uh, Zebi and Jan. Mm -hmm. So I, I just focused on my thing and was, I was not distracted at all. And I, if I, was, I was going into that race and thinking, oh, I have nothing to, I have nothing to lose. I can be tense and uh, it would be a great, great day. And I was totally free in this mm -hmm. race. Yeah. And um, again, in, in the run, it was the moment where it clicked and uh, I saw Lionel down the road and um, I really thought, okay, that's, uh, that's possible to catch him. And um, it was close at the end because uh, very close. I caught him, I think at five kilometers to go or mm -hmm. so. And, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I had no experiences and no pressure going into that race, which was, what was really cool. What was the mindset like when you were approaching Lionel? Cause it's always interesting when you're about to pass somebody, it's like, you know, do I surge? Do I, do I sit and kick? What, what, you know, it's like, I, I need to make this move right. What was you thinking mm -hmm. when you were approaching Lionel, um, you know, at that five kilometer mark to go wherever was, was fatigue kicking in on you or you, did you still feel pretty no. good? Mm -hmm. No, no, there was no fatigue, but with all the respect to Lionel, but I knew, if I just continue what I have done for the last 37 kilometers, <laughs> yes. I, I will be able to outrun him because uh, back then his, his running technique was yeah. uh, even worse than, than it's now. So yeah. I saw him and he was, he was hurting. You could see he was hurting. So he really muscles was, it, doesn't I, he? He really muscles yeah. it and, and then grinds it. Yeah, yeah. I work so much, so hard on my running technique and improve and have a specific running technique coach. And then you see this guy, and he is a really fast runner, bloody fast runner. And 
with that running technique is it's it's incredible yeah <laughs> and um no i knew that i have to focus on myself and uh do what i did and uh, i saw the splits on my watch uh they were quick yeah so i was not really attacking but yeah you, you um, kind of owned it so look you, you you end up running you run a two hour 39 59 so mm-hmm. 14 seconds slower than the year before were you disappointed I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty crazy in itself, right? I mean, 14 seconds difference in a, in a run split from the year before. Talk about consistency. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a course record by, by that day. Yes, that's right. It was uh, Craig Alexander's course record was broken, right? Exactly. Wasn't it? Was and it? I saw Craig uh, standing on, on the highway and yeah. I was, uh, yeah, it was great because he was cheering me on and, He's uh, such a great person. I ah, really look up to him. I'm yeah. one of the best men I know, 100%. Yeah, Big shout out definitely. to Craig Alexander. I, I think everybody mm-hmm. in the sport loves that guy and um, and what he did for the sport was outstanding. So, yeah, you crossed the line in 8.01.40. Um, and I think Crowey's record was 8.02 something. I, I can't remember it, but you, you took a good chunk out of it. And what, what's interesting is, you know, again, now now if we fast forward to twenty eight, uh, the, the next year, 2018, and you again break the course record. So, like, so each time you win, you decide to break the course record. You don't just win, you, you, you break records as well. And this next year of 2018 has to be a very different feeling coming in. Now mm. you do have the pressure on your back. You are the, the, the champion. You, you've won the, you, you've got the course record. You've shown everybody, you, 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 their hands are there. And, and now everybody's saying, oh yeah, he, he should win again because he runs it. Mm. Two. No, not at all. No? Somehow, Nothing? No. <laughs> Somehow. Greg, you're somehow. an idiot. You got it completely wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, somehow, I'm, maybe it's my personality because I'm, I'm not a big mouth guy and I'm not really outspoken and I also maybe my English is not the best. So somehow I always managed to go into that big races and flying under the radar even by wearing number one. Um, and... It was the same in 2018. <laughs> it's like going into the race and, it, oh. and it had a bad race in Frankfurt and everyone was, you know, the, the big favorite. He had his time. He was a fluke. You know, he's not going to do it again. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like actually thinking, hey, that's great. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in a great shape. I go into that race. Uh, not, not a big amount of pressure. Um, uh but uh, yeah, I, I had to re- redefine my why every, every time I go into that race. You know, mm. 16 was the magic of the first attempt in Kona, obviously. Then going into 17, my why was to win it for the first time. And going into 2018, uh, my, my why actually were, were two whys. And the, the first and most important thing was uh, I had this proposal in my mind mm, i want to get uh, to that <laughs> <laughs> i want to do it if i win mm. i would have done it uh, anyway anyways yeah. Yeah. Uh, but not in this public fashion when i was becoming third i would have done it on Monaco. <laughs> um but going under eight hours was my my second why you know we yeah. we worked on it in the wind tunnel and improved uh, some things on the bike and on the run so uh, it was a big, yeah, a big thing for me and big motivation mm. to, to show that it's possible. 
one of, one of the greatest performances we've ever seen. And it was, you know, a 50-minute swim, a 416 bike, which took 12 minutes off your, your, your bike split mm-hmm. from a year before, almost 13 minutes actually. And then, I mean, a, an average run for you. <laughs> 241.31, you decided to back off. You decided not to go under the 240 for some reason. Uh, I'm just kidding. But, you know, a 241.31 marathon for then a 7-hour 52. It's not like you just snuck under. I mean, we're talking, you know, seven and a half minutes under the eight hours. I, I can only imagine that feeling and how wonderful that experience must have been. Wow. Mind-blowing, mm. absolutely. Mm. And so then, mate, the proposal... I think you caught us all off. Uh, I think Mike Riley was asking you about the race and you said, hang on one moment. And the, be- the best part about it, and I did just watch it again. It was like, Julia, Julia. <laughs> she was talking. You totally barked at her. And everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, I just wanted her attention. <laughs> Oh, that was so great. I was re-watching it and I actually, (laughs) now she would have been, hey, watch your voice. Exactly, exactly. I'm like, oh, you just wait, mate. That's coming back to bite you. (laughs) I was lucky to get away with it. Yeah, Yeah. but it was great. And then to have the energy, (laughs) the energy to get down on one knee. And you must have been pretty confident. Without cramping. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know. (laughs) I can't even do it now. I'm after an Ironman. Man, seven hour 52 iron man you've just crossed the line it's only literally a minute or two uh, i don't think lionel sanders had even crossed the line yet that was but arnold's coming second oh that's right it was. Bad, yeah. had a bad race sorry think, sorry uh, that was the year before yes year. but on and who also Barnett. went under eight, eight and, hours and but. my podium partner as always uh, david McNamee. yes <laughs> he became third in 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 17 and 18 so yeah, that, there you go <laughs> yeah and so yeah. you must have had you must have known she was going to say Yes. Were you pretty confident? I mean, that's a... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's still... still, I don't know if I can say that. It's still a woman, but you never know. Well, you never never know, and that's the thing. I mean, I think back when I proposed to Laura, and it was like, I kind of knew she would say yes, but it's still like a... There's still like 1% chance. And and Mm. I was like, you had some balls, mate. You... (laughs) <laughs> you put it out there and um but i mean she was ecstatic and it was pretty cool it was a really special moment so it was kind of yeah. cool um yeah. what a day what a day for you to what have you know yeah, to wow. have that incredible race performance have the woman that you love you know propose through and have her say yes <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. w- w- was very very cool mate um when, when, when you think back on these performances and and you know we've gone through quite a few on this episode the highs of your career, is it hard to pick one? Or is there, you know, what kind of, what's the highest high? The highest high, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to pick one. Mm. I think I would go 2016 third mm. place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it was so unexpected. And mm. the endorphins, I, I talked about that before. It was like I never experienced before mm. uh, and after. It, it, it was I was on such a high, and having this lay around my neck and and yeah, I mean if you rewatch my finish, I was literally I was dancing with my dad, mm. and it was just it was just mind blowing. Mm. Um, it's hard to compare, but I think 
Yeah, that's really cool. They have been the highest at the surprise. That's so cool. It really you touched on a word there, the unexpected. You know, it's like when you when you have a performance that's unexpected, and then it's truly emotional. Like you don't. Mm -hmm. There's almost like more of a hormonal release in your body. What about lower slow? Ah, the lower slow in sports that must have been 2019 mm. and you know that's that's why i'm also saying i, I had the wise to race and to perform mm. and 2019 was well, it was just a tough year you know my my mother got cancer i'm sorry um, uh, yeah it was it was just a bad time and the whole year we we as a family was fighting this the sickness of of my mom and um uh, i was not I decided not to speak about it publicly because I didn't want her to feel uh, responsible for my bad performances. You mm -hmm. know, when she read the news uh, paper article, uh, and I say, "Okay, um, uh, she's she's not well, and I'm I'm underperforming because of that." I, I didn't want her to feel bad, so I, I kept it out of the public, and so. The rumors go, they, they had been going on, oh, what's wrong with Patrick and uh, is his career over and, and stuff like that. And one of the hardest situations in 2019 actually uh, was uh, in Frankfurt, Ironman Frankfurt. Um, mm. I uh, had to be at the press conference before the, the race and uh, my mom got her chemo in Frankfurt at the same day. So I was going, I was waking up in the morning, going to a hospital at the bed, staying there for, I don't know, two, three hours. And then I had to go to this press conference and standing there and say, uh, uh, I'm ready and I'm, I'm, I'm able to win and like acting mm -hmm. more or less, like, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm feeling super strong. And the reality was I was, I was not, not at all. They didn't even want to be there. Yeah. No, I don't. I didn't want to be there. Exactly. Mm. It was, uh, yeah, it was really hard. It was, it was a tough year. It was a really, really tough year. What, what have you been able to sort of learn from that sort of year that inspires you now when we, when we talk about your why? You know, we have mm. finally we have Kona coming back after, you know, three years. Um, does that channel your why a little bit more for, for this year? Definitely. It's, uh, it, it's actually the last, uh, the last conversation I had with my mom to be a hundred percent, uh, honestly, because she, she told me how much, uh, she loved what I, I was doing, how proud she is. And she said to me, I, I, I really want you to win again. I knew, I know you can do it. I know you're better than the others. And, um, it's, yeah, said, that's your biggest passion. And, uh, you go back there and yeah, <laughs> literally said, kick some asses. <laughs> mm. And yeah, that's, it's, it's a, it's a big, uh, that's a powerful why powerful. Why? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Mate. Well, yeah. 
you've got me almost tearing up here. So I think your why is very powerful. So thank you for sharing with, you know, I I think it's, it's exciting to see you back. Um, I know this year's had a couple of stumbling blocks, but you you know, you sound like you're in a really great place. I just want to finish up as we, you know, we're we're recording this sort of only a few weeks out. Mm -hmm. When when you, when you look at this year and we haven't, we haven't talked much about this race coming up because, you know, it's all, we don't know, know anything, but, you know, if we had an opinion, how do you think the race is going to pan out? You know, there's a lot of conversation always about, you know, others, <laughs> not Patrick mm-hmm. Langer. There's always conversation about others, which I think is... Again, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I always, somehow, I'm, I'm flying under the radar again. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. <laughs> I yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let the Norwegians do their Norwegian talks, you know, and yeah. they, they, they do a great job. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. No, take it all on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be an outstanding race. I, so Absolutely. tempted just to jump on a, a plane and, and be out there to watch it, although it's hard to watch quite often. Um, but, you know, when you look at Ditlev and Sanders and then you've got the yeah. Americans, you know, Hoffman and T.O. coming back and they want to have mm-hmm. one last hurrah before, you know, their, their time's winding down and then people like Braden Curry and, you know, and then someone feisty like a the Sam Long. Kinle for the last time. Kinle's last time too. So there's a little bit of the, the change. Goes on. Yeah, it does. On. It's so cool. It's the so cool. Uh, Kyle Smith, um, Daniel yeah. Beckegaard. Yes, yes. The Danes. Yeah. Yeah, the Danes. It really it's, is. We got the Danes, the Norwegians. We got the old guard of the Americans and the young guard of the Americans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we really do have a plethora of people that, uh, and in the women's race as well. It's just going to be oh yeah absolutely. i can't wait it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be an amazing race it's uh, definitely and it will be really interesting to see how the dynamic or the covid pandemic how uh, uh, yeah the racing have changed over the last uh, that, three years that's true um, yeah. because obviously a guy like magnus did three years ago nobody knew him and yeah. now he's He's such a great athlete. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys are coping with uh, the special conditions in Kona and also the Norwegians. Mm. And it's going to be really, really interesting. And um, so many great Olympic distance athletes going to Kona and not having the best day. Hey, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> careful careful what to, you say no I'm actually I'm, uh, I'm going to record an episode with um, Javier Gomez next week actually and ah, uh, nice. yes he'll come out the week after you and you know he's had one of those years you know a, a pretty tough year and he's, he's obviously mm. not racing either but but again you know he's one of those short course guys that's uh, one of the greatest ever to do the sport oh absolutely but, but just it's something uh, about Kona he also like, his, 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 his lessons from Kona. Yeah, and it's amazing, mate. the race and... It's interesting, you know, it's like, it's, everyone talks about the heat and humidity. As an Australian, mm-hmm. I didn't find it hot or humid. There's something else there. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something else there. And I don't know that we've quite nailed it. I think you have, <laughs> but the rest of us um, <laughs> never got it quite right. And, uh, but mate, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to watching you perform. I, I truly wish that you just have your day again. There's nothing better than watching you just fly along the Queen K and, and, and just have one of those remarkable days for you, for, for, for your mum, for your family. Uh, I just would love nothing more to see you come flying down and, and take another win, mate. So, um, 
you know, and I truly appreciate you coming on and, you know, I've taken a good chunk of your recovery time and I, I just truly appreciate you, mate. Thanks for that. I, I will, I will do my best. That's, that's that, for sure. That's all and, you can do. Um, uh, a lot of good years coming. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's great to see the, the, the newcomers leveling it, uh, it up, but uh, I think I have, uh, quite a, quite some more good years in me and, uh, yeah. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, you 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 you're like the quiet assassin. You're like this quiet achiever. I like that's, that. No, that's, I like that. Yeah, that's, the quiet assassin. Yeah. You can use can, that. There you, you go. Can that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after Kona <laughs> yeah. this year, are you are you done, or, or it depends on the result, or you got anything um, else to wrap up the year? Actually, I'm I'm completely focused on Kona. Yeah, right not even now. worry about it. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe do a, do the validation um, for for next year uh, to be completely open for for next year because you don't know yet mm -hmm. what the PTO will do because there are some rumors that they will have uh, a long course event next year. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I keep it open for now, but mm -hmm. um, also because I, yeah, I, I lost so much time with the injury. I, I, in the back of my mind, I have the possibility to. to You've have still got some go. energy to keep going here. That's a exactly. good place to be in. Mate, are you racing? Sorry, the the schedule for Kona this year it, it's like it's broken up over a couple of days. The race, right? So the men mm -hmm. are. You guys are on a Sunday. Or Saturday? Which Saturday, one are you? Saturday. Saturday. And the women are on the Friday? Uh, Thursday. <laughs> there you go, Greg. Get it right. <laughs> I would have completely missed them both. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, that's awesome, buddy. But, mate, it's been wonderful just to catch up and chat and, and hear your yeah, stories. Thanks. Yeah, and, uh, thanks. Uh, uh, sorry for letting you you wait so long. I think uh, we met in, in, in Chamorin last year and had, had uh, our first conversation. And, yeah, I know. I, um, I, it's been, you've been on one of the top of my list. You end up in my Instagram messages for whatever reason I didn't see it. So, <laughs> no, sorry. And, not at all. It's actually worked. It couldn't have worked out better to be able to have a conversation <laughs> with you as we come into an actual Kona you know, after several years and, and the timing of it and, and you just saying yes to do it at this time of year. I, I just, always, I truly appreciate you, mate. So, um, again, I'll be, I'll be really shouting loud for you, buddy. Would love to see you have just a tremendous performance and thank you again for coming on, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you very much. All right. Now, just for everybody listening, um, you can find all the show notes and timestamps and everything at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks a lot for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.